Happy Labor Day and welcome to A Second Chance. My name is Philip Jones. As always, I have my brother, Mr. Farrell Cook. And our special guest today is Mr. Shane Blanchard of Midwest Kidney Warriors. How you doing, gentlemen? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, well, sir. thank you. Always good to hear, Mr. Cook. Uh, well, we're going to get straight into it. You know, Shane, how, how we get down over here, we get straight to the story. That's what we're here for. So, uh, Mr. Blanchard, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, so uh, my name is Shane Blanchard. I live here in Iowa. Um, I was born with a rare disorder called Eagle Barrett Syndrome, um, where basically means I was born without abdominal muscles. Um, one of the side effects of that is, uh, you know, uh, kidneys tend to not work as well as other things within the urinary tract. But uh, my kidney stopped working when I was 21 years old. I uh, got a kidney transplant when I was 22, and I received that kidney from my brother, and uh, he was 25 at the time when we had that transplant. So the kidney lasted me about 23 and a half years, so um, until about two and a half years ago, the kidney did fail, and I actually did get a second transplant at that time from my best friend, Brad Hendrickson. Um, there were complications during the procedure, and uh, the kidney ended up uh, not being able to remain. So it was removed actually uh, on uh, Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, it was Thanksgiving Day they removed that kidney. And so now um, I, I was back on hemodialysis there for just a little over a year and then finished uh, and was able to get back on to peritoneal dialysis. So I've been looking for a kidney donor now for about two and a half years. So that's, uh, that's a little bit of my story in a nutshell of uh, what's caused it and where I'm at today. So what was, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 you go, you go. Um, so what was the reason, uh, or did, did they tell you, um, why your first transplant failed? Yeah, it was actually, um, the, there was, uh, some stuff that wasn't done correctly during the procedure. Uh, for when it was hooked up, there's a certain way that it's supposed to be stitched and it wasn't, and it wasn't stitched right. 
And so after they closed me up, I had started that stitch didn't hold and I ended up bleeding into my abdominal area. And then they went back in to correct it. And, uh, and then it ended up doing the same thing again. And so they tried to place a couple stents. They did a stent that didn't work. They tried another stent that didn't work. And so within 14 days, it had to be removed. Well, no, that, that's the second one, right? Yeah, that was the second transplant. Right. So the, the first one, did they say why the first yeah. one rejected? Yeah, it just ran its course. You know, I was taking ProGraph for about 21 years. That can cause some scarring on the kidney. Um, the other thing is just, you know, time. They said um, it, it can happen. Uh, you know, you can get, on average, you get 10 to 15 years, you know, out of a living related donor. Some people go 20 and 30 years. It just depends on the kidney. You know, everything's different. Uh, mine, mine went for 23 and a half years. Um, I was very blessed to have that 23 and a half years, you know, with, with my brother's kidney and for it to work that long. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just ran its course. Hmm. Um, is your, your, your first disease, can you say the name of it one more time? It's called Eagle Barrett syndrome or prune belly syndrome. Um, it's referred to, uh, two different ways. It's basically, I was born with a, with, with a lack of abdominal muscles. So if you think of a baby bird, how big their stomach is, if you Google prune belly syndrome, that's exactly what it looks like is a baby bird, except it's a human being with a big stomach. Um, sometimes people have their, uh, bowels and other things can be born and they can be outside of their body. Mine was all inside, but my stomach muscles didn't develop. My urinary tract didn't completely develop. Uh, kidneys can be underdeveloped, um, as well as the, your your manhood can be underdeveloped. But luckily, mine's not. <laughs> so uh, that was good. <laughs> but uh, but I, mine was mostly abdominal stuff. Um, yeah, that, that's and, and, you know, like I say, every time we on the show, we always hear something something new. But did that did that stop you from being active when you were younger? Anything like that? No, I still played football. I still uh, wrestled. I played tennis. I played baseball. You know, wrestling was my sport. I was I was a decent wrestler. Uh, football. I always like to joke and say I was a third string water boy. But hell, when I was a kid, man, I was just a little bitty dude. You know, I I graduated high school. I wrestled 119 pounds, and I didn't have to lose weight to to make that weight either for high school. So. You know, I was a small kid. If somebody was going to hit me on the football field, they'd probably break me in half. So it's probably good that I wasn't out there. But, you know, I was there. My my whole reason I played football was to get in shape for wrestling season anyway. So it was kind of different for me. But, uh, no, I never let it hold me back from anything. It's it's never, you know, I've never known anything different. People ask me what it's like, and I just I don't know what it's like. I've never had abdominal muscles to know what that would be like, you know, but you know, I can't do setups or anything unless someone holds my feet and that's all back muscle. Um, you know, when I wrestled, you know, it was tough sometimes when I'd be in certain positions, but you know, you just find ways to adapt and overcome. So it's just kind of how it is. Yeah. It's almost like you can't miss what you never had, you know, you yeah. never had them. You can't miss them. Exactly. So when you, you, you said you were like 20 and that's when you got your first transplant 21. I was 22 when I had my first transplant. 22. Okay. Yeah, they so usually you, with Eagle Barrett syndrome, you don't live very long. I it was amazing that I even lived into my teens, and uh, and and because back then it was very unknown disease. Now there's actually a support group on Facebook, which is kind of cool to see because I grew up not knowing anybody else with this condition. There's about 
you know, 1500 members on this group page. So it's really kind of neat to see people with the same situation as me. You know, some people have it worse. Some people have it better. You know, I, I'm kind of right in the middle of the PBS group on where I am with things that's happened to me. So, you know, there's there's one guy I talked to the other day on there that was born with one kidney. So, you know, it's it's different for everybody on on what effects they get from it. How old were you when you first started noticing when they, you know, you had to go to the doctor for the, you know, the nephrologist for the kidney challenge? Um, I've known that since I was in grade school because I had kind of an under, one kidney was kind of underdeveloped. The other one was fully developed and worked well. But when I was, when I was an infant, I had reconstruction on my urinary tract. So they literally had tubes tied from my kidneys down to my bladder. I got a big scar that goes all the way down me. And, uh, that, that's from that surgery from the reconstruction. So it's always been known I was going to have kidney issues at some point. It's just a matter of when. Uh, 23 years, man. That, that's, that's pretty good. Like you said, average like 10 to 15. So uh, for you to pull out 23, you know, um, what was your, your mental mind state? you know, um, after that kidney failed and you have to, you know, go back through the process again? Um, you know, I've, I've got pretty strong faith. So, uh, you know, it didn't phase me as a bit. Um, I wasn't worried about it because I knew there'd be a positive outcome. Um, so I, I didn't let it shake me. The only thing I didn't like the fact is that I was going to have to do dialysis and probably miss days at work and stuff like that. But um, when it came down to the the transplant part and the surgery, you know, none of that worried me because I've, you know, been there before. And, you know, I've had so many surgeries in my life. They just don't phase me. So, you know, I have a lot of trust in the doctors. I have trust in the Lord, um, knowing that I'm building a testimony here on this earth for other people. So, um, yeah, I wasn't wasn't too worried about it at all. You sound you, you sound a little bit like me. I you know when you, I think when you have so many of these surgeries, I mean, could probably test it too. It just kind of yeah. becomes something that you just kind of do. It's like oh okay, up oh, another procedure. Let's go yeah. ahead and get this over with, so I can go home now. Yeah, you know, exactly. um, and then you worry about the anesthesia because you've had so many. You know, I've laid there sometimes wondering if if you know it's not gonna put me out because I'm like, did you put it in? Yeah, we put it in. You're gonna be going to sleep now. And I'll sit there for a couple, okay, but I'm not asleep. <laughs> and, you know, and I'll say something. <laughs> but then but then I end up waking up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, that, that actually happened to me. Um, I had a procedure for something. Who knows what it was at the time. And uh, the doctor, you know, they put the, the medicine in. And they're like, all right, count from uh, from 10. Count backwards from 10. So I didn't count it from, you know, backwards from 10. <laughs> and I'm like, so when's this, when's this supposed to kick in? And he's like, nope. you still love? I'm like, yes. And like, we're literally slaying. I'm laying there. We're having a full blown conversation. Yep. Like, and they're looking at me like, how is this dude still awake? Yep. I've had that. I'm like, you know, it's like every other medicine, you know, once you've taken it for so long, you know, your body just kind of gets used to it. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, it, that was that was a funny one because like they he literally he was like dealing with his tools and stuff, and then he heard me still talking. He like looked over like, "Why are you up still?" I'm, hey yep. man, 
I had that happen to you. You know, I'm laying there and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not asleep yet. And he kind of looks down over at me, you know, like, what the heck's going on? Or, you know, or they start moving me around in a different position. I'm like, where are you guys moving me for? And they're like, oh, hold on a second. And then all of a sudden I'm out, you know. Right. Yeah, I've I've had that happen. So. (laughs) What's crazy about it that, you know, these stories are, they're so relevant to us because we've seen these things and we've had these things happen to us. Like both of your stories are so identical like mine. I've had situations where they they over medicated me trying to get me to sleep where, you know, then then you're so foggy for the next couple of days and things like that. So th- th- these stories are just they're, they're not comical, but they're 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 just reflective, I would say. Yeah. Well, and 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 that reminds me of another time when you brought that up because they they brought that up about we're going to have to give you an extra dose. Because what woke me up is I kind of went out and I came back to and I heard Ozzy Osbourne playing in the OR. And then I kind of opened my eyes. I said, is that Ozzy? And he goes, OK, we're going to have to give you more. I just remembered <laughs> that when you were talking about that. So, But I don't ever have any issues waking up for our anesthesia. For me, it seems like I always wake right up. I don't know if it, you feel the same way sometimes, but heck, some people say how oh, they're groggy and not me. I'm like awake. Oh. The only time when they had to give me more, I, I was I was groggy. But other than that, when I wake up, I'm usually good. And I had my share of procedures like you guys, so I'm usually I usually wake up and I, I feel I feel really really good. So let me let me ask you something. So you're doing uh you're doing a discycler nowadays, right? Yeah, peritoneal at home. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that's, um, I'll tell you, man, it's so much better than in center hemo. I feel so much better. Um, you know, cause I'm getting that treatment every day and that consistency every single day. And so, you know, my energy level is a lot better than what it was. My blood pressure's a lot more stable than what it was. My weight's stable. Um, you know, I can eat a little bit. I, I still watch what I eat and I still diet, you know, and everything, but it's not as, uh, picky, you know, on some things. So. Right. Still doing the binders and everything like that, but. I don't yeah, know I if think there's any different. Five. <laughs> yeah, five, five. I wonder if it's any different. Like, I mean, I know it's different from from your nutrition because when I was on hemo, it was a lot stricter. So it was, yeah. it was like you had had to watch everything, and then right. I didn't have any urine output either. So no, I it still was really, really. Yeah, yeah, and so it was it was that was really really critical right there, fluid, especially in the summertime. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. <clears throat> Yeah. And it's hard to gauge being, you know, being a dialysis patient in summer because, you know, you want to be outside, you want to walk or maybe go do things and you sweat off water and you don't want to over drink your water because then you got on too much fluid weight. So, yeah, summer can be a really hard time to kind of adjust to and everything when you're on dialysis. So same thing with peritoneal, too, you know, because, you know, there's different strengths of that uh, fluid that you use and, uh, you know, and, and you want to make sure you're tracking your weight and your blood pressure. So, you know, what fluids to use. So, yeah, but you can fluid overload on PD just like you can on nocturnal and hemo. So you just got to watch yourself and be smart. That's exactly true. Are you, are you taking the, 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 the bags that, that pull off fluid? Are you usually pretty consistent with the normal bags? Um, you know, I typically will use like uh, two yellows and a green. So I'll use two of the really small ones and then one that's a medium. And when I, and I always look at it, like when I was on hemodialysis, uh, you know, they would do it on an up and down, you know, where they would pull some and then you'd rest and then pull some. So when I set up my, when I set up my cycler, I'll do a yellow, a green, and then a yellow. 
So that way I get some, because those bags mix together, right? Uh, into one bag. So that way you get some green mixing with yellow. That way you get more consistency of a pole off while you're sleeping at night. So you don't wake up, you know, so I, I feel good when I wake up. So it's, it's been working for me. No red bags ever when you got to pull hard, like on Labor Day weekend or something like that? No, luckily I won't have to. I did use a red bag on Friday night because I had a cheat day on Friday and I had a I had a large, uh, well, not a large, but it was a good size root beer that I drank um, on top of my 32 ounces of fluid. And so that night I did use a red. So my blood pressure wasn't bad. It was 152 over 87 and my pulse was 62. But it was high enough where I was like, all right, I'll just go ahead and use the reds and pull this out. And that's what I did, and it worked fine. Right. That's the intricate parts that, you know, I, that I like, you know, talking to, you know, individuals. Because once you start understanding your body, you know what you can do and what you can't do. You can, you know, like you said, hey, I, I could have this root beer and enjoy it. I have a cheat day. But it's not a cheat month. It's not a cheat week, anything like that. And you know what you can do to compromise for that, like take the red bag and mix it in there because it'll pull off the extra fluid. I like these things once you start getting, you know, getting to understand your body and what you can do or what you can't do. And those are the intricate parts where I, I, it goes back to knowing knowing your body, knowing, knowing yourself and listening to your body. Again, you know, a lot of times people – they they um they don't know their bodies and when you know your body you know what you can do kind of what you can't do. yeah and you and feel like it too. you you fill it with your energy you feel it in your abdominal because i have to walk around with 1500 in uh, uh dwelling during the day and so you know that already makes you feel like you've already got enough food in your system but if you you know if you over drink or you overeat you know that fluid that's already in there you're going to feel that pulling and it's just gonna you know swell you up a little bit more on your stomach so you know, you, you can feel it uh, just on the way you feel, too. You know, it's like right. you're saying, you, you get used to the routine and you know what you're you know what a good day and a bad day and an OK day feels like. And you know what you need to do to keep right. the good days going. So. Right. Right. And that, that's that's really, really important as you get into this. And, you know, you've been doing it for a little while. You start learning your body. And like you said, you can do it. I remember one time I, I was really, really fluid overloaded. And I took um, I did a PD. um not the automated, but the, uh, the the manual kind of when I did mine. I did it for six and a half years. Um, and I had to pull some fluid off of me. I did three red bags. And I didn't know how hard it pulled. It pulled, man, it made me feel like crap. It was like my whole body, I could tell my muscles and everything started cramping up. And I had to change because I, I thought I could just do that. But I had to down the water that morning. Yeah, yeah. When you do the red bags and stuff, you you definitely want to mix it up with a green or a yellow and something like that to to keep it like you know even keel and not just pull yourself down, down, down because right, it can be catastrophic. It is really painful when that can happen. So. Yep. Yeah. No, and and I and I, the only issue I've only had one time where I hurt myself during PD and I got air in the line and I didn't clear it out. And that ruined my whole day because that hurt, man. It hurt right up into my shoulder blades and everything. That was, I've heard about it, but I've never experienced it. But what happened is my line got caught in the door, and so when I mm. when I pulled when I pulled it out, I didn't I I didn't uh, reprime it. You're, you know how you prime the pump on it? I didn't prime it a second time, and I should have. And that's what got air in my line that was about two inches that went in my peritoneum, and yeah, that was very uncomfortable. 
How'd you get it out? It just worked itself out eventually or what? It worked itself out over a couple of days. Yeah. You know, I was hoping I'd be, you know, <laughs> I was wanting to fart and everything. And I talked to my nurse. I was like, can I blow this out of my oven? And she's like, she's like, it's in your peritoneum. It's not in your intestines. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I was trying to fart, burp, do what I could. And then I talked to my nurse and she just laughed at me. And she's like, it's in your peritoneal cavity. It's not in your stomach. It's not in your intestines. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Have you ever, have you ever, um, experience peritonitis no no thank god uh i've i've done really good man i i make sure that you know i when i'm cleaning my lines i scrub on them for a minute and then i dry them off for about a minute before i hook up and yeah i make sure windows are closed fans are off vents are closed um yep i i clean my area every day morning and night so yeah i don't want it i've heard nightmares about it i've heard people getting put in the hospital because of it I think you guys talked about yeah, a horror story. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You talked about it on one of your shows one time. And I, yeah, man, that's Seven not, days, man. it was painful. Yeah, that's something I don't want to experience. Yeah, I didn't I really have to deal with uh, the, the pain issue too much with, with parents. And I've had it, um, you know, but the one thing I do want to say is that you can catch parents and be the cleanest person in the world. Um, it's, it's not really, I mean, it's something that you can be preventative of, you know, uh, you yourself, of, you know, being sterile and, you know, like you say, turn, you know, turn off fans and, and closing doors and windows and things like that, but it could still happen regardless of that. And, and I didn't know until recently, um, when I got it and they were like, you know, well, we, you know, I guess they did a certain test that lets them know, you know, what, what it was caused from. And so when my nurse that came back to me on my appointment, she was like, you know, we know it wasn't your fault. It was just, you know, kind of something that just that happened. And what we think it was from was I actually ended up getting a hole uh, in my line. And what's crazy about that is actually it's the second time that's happened to me. But the crazy part about the second time is um, I was at the hospital for something else. Actually, I was in the emergency room, and uh, oh, I was in there for um, uh, I had a, a a real small amount of pain, just kind of in the area of my my uh, peritoneal catheter, and you know, so I was in the emergency room and we were making sure, you know, checking fluid and stuff like that, and uh, I'm I was sitting there talking to the. Uh, dialysis tech you know i've known this dude for for a minute now you know been kind of in and out for you know for some years but um we were sitting there talking and i was telling him about the first time it happened and i was telling him about you know how small the hole was because the hole was like if somebody took a pin a pin needle and stuck it and and, and took it out you couldn't tell until you bent in that area and it opened and then flew would shoot out right mm. and so the second time i was i was talking to him like yeah you know first time i had a hole in it and this and that and as i bent it to show him what i was you know what i just uh to you it shot out my line and i'm like and i was like 
just like that. Because <laughs> as soon as I, was I it, was, it, was it the was it the was it the line that that went into your stomach, or was it the line from the bag? No, no, no it was the line from my stomach. Wow. You must have kinked it or something. I've done that where you kink it, yeah. and it scares the heck out of me every time I, I do it. I have yeah. also. Did you have to? Did they have to go back in and feel and uh, replace your line? No. So what they do is, uh, you know, of course, depending on where where the hole is. See, for me, the hole was literally at like the uh, the detachable part of it. You know, it's a little metal part, uh, kind of like uh, about this far from your stomach. You know, where detach where it can detach and they can, you know. Uh, where they change it and stuff like that, and so it was literally, yep, yeah, yep, right there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it uh, what happened was it was right, right after the silver part, right after the little metal part, um, where they you know disconnected. So what they did was, um, they cut below it, right below it, they cut it, and then retached that uh the little metal part to it. And then reconnected uh, a new top line part of the line to it and went from there because it wasn't, you know, if it was like further down, closer to my stomach, then yeah, they probably would have had to, you know, put me on hemo for a while and, and you know, redo that whole procedure, you know, to put another one in. But um, it was far, you know, far up enough for them to just have to change it. Four years in, four years into my uh, peritonitis uh, journey, man, um, my line got a, a, a hole in it, and the whole line inside my stomach had scar tissue in it. The whole wow. inside line inside. They they did an X-ray, so they had to go in and take it out, let my stomach heal back up, put me on uh, chemo for like it was like four or five months. Then I got another surgery, and they put it in, in a different spot in my abdomen, but. Uh, the whole line, they said they pulled it out. They said it had a lot of scar tissue all around it and everything. And they said it could have it could have happened because you know I was pretty active at the time, still exercising and working out and things like that. So they said that's probably what happened. But hmm. I never even thought about something like that happening, the scar tissue in there, but that and that was inside the holes where it was going into, or was it on, on the outside of it connecting and stuff? It was it was internally inside. Me. Oh wow! Like, yeah, and what what was crazy about that line? I never forget was, soon as I would take like I would be hooked up and I'll take out and be and and and, and uh, start the process of dwelling, you know. And then I would stand up and I could feel the line like like inside me when I had no fluid in me. And I was about to put another bag in, and I was like, wow, this is weird. And so. <laughs> Yeah, that that's what happened. And uh, the reason why I had to go off PD after six and a half years was my peritoneal sac, uh, Phil knows this, my peritoneal sac burst on my side because they started making me do bigger bags. So they had me doing, first I was doing 2,500 CC bags. And then all of a sudden they was making me do 3,000 because I needed more dialysis. So once that happened, my peritoneal sac burst on my side, and I was in the hospital, had septic for 70 days. It was, it was bad. It was really, really bad when that happened. Yeah, that's what I, I do, 3,000, uh, five, five uh, cycles of 3,000. Yeah, but they said the 3,000 is not good to walk around with, and I was doing it manually. Oh, gee. Yeah, no, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and I was walking around uh, owning my own gym at the time, 
you know, exercising people with 3,000. I look weird, man. I had this big extended stomach. You know, and then I, and I felt like I was always full, like I could never eat any yep. food. I would just eat a little bit of food. And yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. Yeah. Wow. So, Shane, let me ask you this question. Because uh, you mentioned um, you had 1,500 throughout the day. What uh, what bag do you use for your last field? Uh, I'll use a yellow 1.5%. Okay. So I use the, the less, the less, the one, the smallest one, the right. least amount that'll pull. So not a lot. And then sometimes, you know, maybe two or three times a week, um, I might do midday where I'll drain it out and refill it depending on, you know, how I'm feeling. Cause some days I'll feel like I'm, you know, like it's like I'm more full than others, you know, and I'll go and I'll drain and I'll go drain off 18 or 1900 and then I'll put in another 1500 just cause you know, I get uncomfortable. So just depends on the day though. I don't have to do it. I just do it when I want to. And, she, and my nurse says, she goes, well, that's good to do it anyways. Cause you're getting more dialysis. So they don't have no problem with it. So uh, that's crazy because I've uh, I'm surprised you haven't dealt with uh, uh, with not necessarily fluid overload, but um, your body absorbing that yellow. Oh yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the th so yeah, I I you know I consider myself lucky with the team that I have. Um, but my doctor actually put me on um, a purple bag, which is seven point five. So 7.5 allows you to go the whole day without it absorbing until, you know, of course, a certain point, you know, you, know, you go, you know, 30, 32 hours and yeah, it'll probably start, you know, at that point, but it's meant to kind of, it's meant to stay in you and work throughout the day, you know, without your body absorbing it so quickly, like, you know, like a regular yellow, green or, or a red bag. Um, and so I, I love it. as soon as I get on the drains all that out, and I'm like, oh, okay, that feels you know much better because, but you know what's crazy is that, um, so like when I do my KT over V, uh, testing, you know they want you to go um, one point uh, five. Well, no, not one point five. I I do greens, uh, two greens of uh five thousand liter bags of a uh, a green, um. But the thing about, you know, KTOV is like for me, I guess it may not be the same for you because I'm doing 7.5 bags, which is, a little, you know, has a different uh, uh, with, with dextrose and stuff. But um, they tell me not to do a last fill on those days. So it doesn't make sense, you know, with your fluid and stuff because you have to take, you know, when you get done, you have to get a specimen cup. And put you know put uh, about ten cc's in a cup and take it when you go do your blood work. So um, for me, it's not the it's I think because my body's gotten so used to a last feel. Like when I go dry, it's like feels like the worst day ever. It feels like I can't breathe. You know, like I don't have that room anymore to like you know deep breath in and out. And I'm like literally I'll do nothing that day. I won't. I, I will barely eat. I barely drink anything because then it feels like, you know, I'm fluid overloading and I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I, I've never heard, you know, somebody having to go the whole day with the yellow, green or red, 
normally like what they've done while I was in the hospital, um, they would tell, you know, say, okay, I want you to put, you know, uh, 1,700, 2,000 in of green at the end, and then they'll drain it out like three hours later. You know, mm -hmm. so my so my body won't absorb it. So for for you to go the whole day, uh, I mean, yeah. You know, and when I go the whole day, I'll usually only drain off 800 to 1,000 at night. Oh yeah, because yeah, because your body's starting to absorb it already. Right, but when I right. do, but if I drain during the middle of the day, then I'll usually drain out. You know, fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred during the day. Right. When I drain, I'll usually do that about one or two o'clock, and then I'll do a refill. Uh, just depends on how I feel. But yeah, if I if if it gets if I start feeling too full, I could just let it sit there for two hours and it goes away because then I start absorbing. You know, about three or four o'clock in the afternoon, I start absorbing it. So, yeah. Okay. Let me ask but, you. This, no, the reason uh, I don't. The reason I can't drain, uh, you know, during the day all the time is because of my my job. So right when, I, when I'm at work, um, well, it depends. I mean, there's a two locate two of my dealerships I can I can do it at. There's one that I can't because I really don't have a private place to do it. So I don't uh, I don't drain and 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 do it on those days. But but the other two dealerships I'll do it there. So that's the best way to say it. But anyways, I you had a question, Mr. Cook. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like I remember one time when I, I had a I got peritonitis. I was in the hospital and I was going through a procedure. So the the nurse comes in and she goes, "Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna put a new bag in you." And I go, "Okay, fine." She goes gets she gets all the equipment and she unhooks my line and I didn't even notice at the time. She came with different equipment that didn't fit up with mine. And it was too late, and that's when I got peritonitis in the hospital because uh, uh, she didn't look at my line to see what kind it was, and was not, and, and found out that it was not compatible. So she was like, "Oh, I apologize," and I had the old cap in, and while my new, you know, is not working, and so she was like, "Just put the old cap on." But once you take the old cap off, and you can't put that, that back on. Mm -hmm. It was a wrap, man, and that was. And, and and one thing about parents, like I said, with my parents, I'm in a fetal position because it's so painful. You know, they would give me the uh, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the 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 other medicine to try to reverse this stuff and pain medicine, but it would be painful for me. My back would be real, real cloudy, and it'd be painful, man. Yeah, I've got these meds. She said, if I ever get like a peritonitis symptoms or anything, I've got these pills of my closet that I'm supposed to start popping right away until I can get in there and get seen. Right. So I don't know what they are. I just know what I'm supposed to do with them. <laughs> that's that's, that's the important thing, you know, to do. With them. Yeah, just take them. <laughs> right. right. Another question I was going to ask you was, um, are you pretty active nowadays or, you know, doing your dialysis? Are you exercising any, anything like that? Yeah, I try to do, I try to do 30 minutes of some type of cardio every day. So rather be mostly it's just walking, though. I mean, even when I'm at work, I'll go outside because, you know, we have big lots. And so I'll go out and I'll walk around the lot and stuff and look at inventory and look at cars. And, you know, I'll do that for, you know, 10 minutes, uh, three days, three times a day. And uh, just to make sure things are in order. And so, you know, that's one way that I get exercise in um, while I'm at work. And then I've got this other thing. It's a little it's a little pedal thing that goes on the ground. And you can put it underneath your desk. So I've got this pedal thing that I can use 
Um, I've got it here at the house too. So yeah, there's, there's ways I try to do things to, you know, keep, keep myself active. Um, plus, I mean, you feel better when you do it too. If you just lay around all the time, you're going to feel like crap. So, you know, you've got to get yourself up and be active and do things. So. That's that's what I wanted. To, you know, that, that's that's what I wanted to hear. You know, you being uh, active because that plays a big part, especially you know going through this. Yeah, you know, I I can't lie, man. I did it. You know, close to twelve years. Uh, you do get some depression. You know, so how how do you, how do you feel with that? You know, your your mental. You sound like you're real stable and everything's going good. But do you get you do we do get those down days every now and then? I mean. Tell me. Yeah. I mean, you, you do get them, uh, you know, sometimes, but, uh, you, you know, I just look at the brighter side of things and knowing that, you know, this is just a temporary thing for me and, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel and that, uh, you know, I just got to have faith and know that I'm going to get there. Uh, so, you know, I try to, I try to not dwell on negatives and keep my mind on the things that are positive that are moving forward. And, and, uh, that's how I keep doing it. So. But uh, yeah, it can you can easily get depressed, especially you know I the in center chemo was where it could be the most depressing because you have people around you in a worse shape than you and you feel bad for them you know sitting there. I can't tell you the amount of times I've felt so bad for people you know I'm I'm sitting there going through the same but hell there's people in there worse than me you know so then you and you start making friends with some of them right and then and then things are happening to them where they're getting put in the hospitals you know I've had five people that's died that I've done dialysis with. So, you know, you go through those losses, too. So there's a lot of things that beyond our treatments that that happens in a personal level, you know, within the dialysis center, too, because um, I guarantee people that do dialysis, they know everybody's names there. You know, they they know some of their medical situations because, I mean, hell, we're sitting by each other for three and a half to four hours a day. And we sit there and we get to know about each other and our families and plans and things like that. So, yeah. That's the it's most depressing like a, part to me. Right. It's a community, and, and you start caring for the others. You know, I've, I've seen people when I was on Hemo, uh, you know, uh, bottom out and things like that, and it could be your friend right next to you, and you'd be like, oh, man. You know, yep. and then it, it, it's crazy because you see that happening, and then you turn around, and you, you're on the same thing, and, and that could be a morale beater. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so I, do, I do see where you can – it could be a lot better when you're doing it just by yourself because you you're not around that atmosphere. Right. And sometimes, sometimes you can bring that atmosphere up when you come in with good energy and stuff like that. You know, I used to like Phil knows I used to bring you know small weights to the to the dialysis center and people would be looking for me to do it and and it was a morale you know a riser. People were happy you know just doing a little bit of something. And just like you said, moving the body makes you happy. You know, that yeah. dopamine hits. I don't care. I don't care if you walk in or walking up some steps or just just move your arms or something like that. It's, it's going to be a more of a benefit. So you're right. Yeah, I, I I heard you telling your story. You know, uh, on one of your other broadcasts where you were in the waiting room and helping people in the waiting room at the dialysis centers with different weights and stuff like that and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool, man. I I do the same type of thing with my uh, Midwest kidneys. Um, I've got four dialysis centers that I go to and I just go around chair to chair talking to each person and, you know, just being there, you know, an ear, somebody that's going through the same stuff as them that they can confide right. different things in. So, yeah, it, right. it definitely helps. With COVID, can you still get in? Can you still go mm -hmm. in? Yeah, I got to wear a mask. I got to wear a shield and then I wear the white uh, robe 
over the top. Yeah. So, yep, there's a protocol that I, so I wear the same kind of garb that the nurses and the techs are wearing when I'm going around talking to people. So I can definitely see why it gets cold in the dialysis room because then things are hot, man. Right, right, and then you're freezing. And yeah, you know, I, I when I was on, I was on hemo. I'd be telling, them, "Can you turn the heat up on this machine?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, just to warm it up a little bit. And right, that's, that's funny. So when I first started doing peritoneal, and, and like I said, I did it manually. I put it was in the winter time, and I didn't know any difference. I put an ice cold bag in. Ooh, oh boy, it was Ooh. the most painful that's not thing I yeah. have ever experienced. It was yeah. cold outside. It felt like it felt like like I had Mr. Chill literally internally inside me, and I, I could I just kept on shaking. I didn't know what was going. On. It turned your poop to ice cream crazy. too, man. Doing that, yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> no. sure, man. And, and so I called the doctors. They were like, "Oh, we forgot to tell you, you got to warm up the bags in the winter time." And I'm yeah. Like, okay, but in the summertime, the bag would feel good. You know, the bag would feel good in the summertime. Yeah. I still, yeah. If I'm gonna do a, a pair, if I'm gonna do an exchange, you know, during the day, I've got a little one of those heating blanket things that you wrap it up in. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll use that, and I'll always warm it up. I don't like the discomfort at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. I'm right, never well, put cold in. Yeah, no, cold is is not good. I, Anytime I put cold in, I have back pains. I don't know what it is. See, I didn't know that because my back was hurting at the time, too, when I did that. But in the summertime, I would put a cold bag in, and it would feel like an air conditioner for a while till my body heated up. It would feel right. Good, yeah, yeah that's, man, that's when I was like, yeah, it's, it's – I got to remember, you know, the first time I did it, I was like, never again. <laughs> like you said, like, you know, they gave me the – uh uh, uh, the uh, the warmer and stuff, and I yeah, you know, I'd wrap it up and, and heat it up like that. That yeah, that was definitely uh uncomfortable for me. I was, and it took me a while to start going, you know, to get going, you know, walking and stuff because I was hurting so much, you know. So it takes some, you know, take a while for it to warm up internally, you know, while while it's in you and yeah. So, but uh, I'm gonna go to the commercial real quick and we'll be right back.
welcome back. Before we hey, got on the shirt, check out my man. I love that. I love that. I love it. Uh, before we get back into these questions, uh, you know, I still ain't figured out how to get these uh, <laughs> Facebook comments to po uh, pop up on this comment section over here. So I uh, want to say thanks to uh, Jonathan Trailer for commenting and sharing. I appreciate you. And uh, a special hello to Victoria. Uh, you know, she's dealing with some things at the moment right now. And, you know, she could definitely use our, our prayers and and uh you know kind words so please pray for victoria uh while she's dealing with her uh additional health situation um very important person within our why not family and we love you uh so let's jump back into these questions man um i asked you about the first times uh you know mental state first time what 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 did you go through mentally after that second time um when you had to you know, get back into the the hemo, uh, the, the dialysis ward after your second one failed. Well, see, I had, I was in the hospital for about it was six months from that kidney uh, transplant surgery, from all the from the artery and and the hematoma that formed in my stomach because I because then I ended up with a bacteria infection in my blood. And so I had to get on some pretty strong drugs to get that out of me that, you know, was causing some hallucinations and I lost my balance and I lost some ability to talk and stuff. So there was some rehabilitation I had to do. So I ended up in a nursing home uh, to go through that. So I don't. Re so when that kidney fell the second time, I don't remember a lot of the dialysis because I was out of my mind. But I do remember starting to go back to dialysis when I got when I was put in a nursing home. And so that was kind of. Um, it wasn't so bad because the staff at the Davida that I went to in a tumble was awesome. Like they were, they were a lot of fun and they were like upbeat type of people. So I, it wasn't that bad for me, but at the end I still wanted to do my PD because, you know, it was kind of hard, uh, you know, doing that three days a week. So, um, but it was also depressing, uh, because it, it shouldn't have been, uh, in my opinion, um, in the opinion of some other people too, but that's another time, but yeah, it just, it yeah. sucked, man. I wasn't, I wasn't happy about it at all, you know, and, and, the, and, and I did have, um, you know, some time where I was upset about things too, but, uh, that lasted, you know, probably a couple weeks and, you know, I just had to get my mind set right back to what I needed to do to, to get myself right. And, uh, that's how it went. So definitely a tough time though. So, uh, do, go ahead. no, go ahead, Ms. Cook. You good? I was gonna say during that time and everything, and 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 now, how's your support system going? Been? Good, man. I mean, the dude that gave me the kidney, um, is my best friend, Brad. You know, he was with me a lot when I was in the hospital, um, you know, because I, I was in three different places, three different hospitals, you know, um, during that whole time, you know, getting transferred and stuff, and he was there a lot for me. Um, heck, one of my friends from grade school, she even came and clipped my toenails one day for me when I was in bed, you know, so, and then my parents were always there for me too. So, you know, I, I had a really good support system um, that was always there with me and, and visiting me and everything too. So, yeah, I don't think there was a day I was in the hospital by myself. I always had somebody there, whether it be a friend or family member. That's awesome, man. That's good to hear. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely good. Even the days I don't remember. I mean, cause they were telling me things that I was doing and saying, you know, when I was on those drugs for that bacteria infection that I don't <laughs> even remember. So, but uh, yeah, that I was mumbling and everything. And I thought there was a gunfight one day in the hospital. Another day I thought there was a nurse that kept trying to kill me. And uh, yeah, I was nuts, man. And, oh, and then the, uh, yeah. someone kept looking in the window. People kept coming to my window and looking at me. That was the other thing that, that they always told me about that I kept freaking out because people kept looking in the window and I was getting upset that they were staring at me. And I was yeah, like on a yeah, fourth floor. <laughs> wow. Yeah, those, I've had some hallucinations. Like, I, I never forget, I thought, uh, I thought I could go play basketball. For some reason, I kept on trying to get up. Like I'm gonna go play basketball, and I got upset and I grabbed all the lines that were in me and ripped them up and everything. And I was I woke up and they had me cuffed to the bed. And I had and I was like, what's going on? I had boxing gloves on, dude. I did the same thing. I ripped this. I ripped my IVs and everything out of me. And they put these boxing glove things on me one time, and it used to make me so mad because I couldn't do anything with my hands. And they put those darn gloves on me. I hated it. Yeah, I think and I couldn't get a dip of chew. That was the other thing. I kept fighting them for dip of chew all the time. I always wanted some chewing tobacco every single time, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm telling I you, think go ahead, Phil. We've been in that situation where we've had to be tied down a few times, you know, um, because especially when uh, you might have went out and you were fine and, you know, un. Uh, attached to something and you know you erect suddenly you wake up and now you like laying like this you know hooked to something and uh that's how it, I, I i'm a crafty person so um my funny story is i was in the hospital and they had to uh intubate me and mm. i woke up and i'm like you know i i guess it happened at the time you know i passed out or something and you know i had to do it after I, I kind of went out and I remember I woke up and I'm like, you know, you know, you do that, that like little pull, like, wait a minute, what's going on? Why, you know, why can't I, you know, move my arms and stuff? And I looked and I realized that I had the tube in, but I don't know if it was positioned wrong or what, but it just felt like I couldn't breathe as opposed to when it's you know placed the right way and everything is fine. You can just sit there and chill you still have that, you know, you can breathe, you know, you, you feel it. And don't, don't ask me what went through my mind in this process, but for some reason, I was like, I got to get this out my out my mouth because this is not the best feeling. So even though I was like, you know, strapped to the rails, I like turned my way over to my hand and oh. pulled <laughs> Wait a minute. The funny part about it was when I did it this time, I didn't know. See, because I've never really paid attention to what the doctors do when they pull it out. So I had no idea that there's a balloon that gets pumped on the inside. Yeah. So like, as yeah. I'm pulling it, I'm like, why is it so hard to come out? You know, TV and stuff, you see the dude just go whoop. And, and I'm like, and I'm laying there and I'm like, and I finally, I like finally got it out again. Don't ask me how I moved over enough or what, but I've just boop, boop, pulled it on out. And my the nurse came in. It was like, looked at me, and she's like, "Did you pull that out?" 
And I'm like, nah. Mm. I ain't put no. Me put what? And she was like, so how to get out? I was like, man, I don't even know what to tell you. I was like, I have no no clue what happened. I said, all I can tell you is that I can breathe just fine. You do not need to put another one back in. Mm-hmm. I am okay. And, you know, so, of course, you know, doctors and nurses don't take your word for nothing. So, you know, they, they watched me for, you know, for a couple hours and, you know, saw that my breathing actually was fine. They was like, okay, you know, we, we don't have to put it back in you. He was like, because if you was having any type of any problem, the smallest amount of problems, we was putting another one back in there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need you not to I do that. I you pulled it out, man. I oh yeah, you pulled it out, man. Oh That's yeah, I, I I pulled it out with no problems. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I was like, I just got to go because I told you, man, I, it was so uncomfortable. I couldn't, I could not breathe. I guess you know we've all had that situation. We've been innovated before, um, and you know, comfortable from uncomfortable in those situations, and it just felt like it was, just, it was not, and it wasn't like down the middle it was like off to the side and mm. you know and i'm like yeah this mm. is not working for me so guess what this got to go and i yeah and i was just like <sighs> it took like a deep breath and i just felt so much better i was like all right that's good it's like when it's hot like you saying hot in the summertime you get that cold that and cold water you like you said what I said, and them things got slime all over because they they KY jelly then things up to go down your right. throat yeah. too. Yeah. So I mean, usually you need <laughs> suction and stuff, you know. Because I woke right. up, I've been there when they've had to pull those out of your throat, and you get all it's it's you know like a dentist has to use that suction thing because otherwise you choke on right. water and and right. goop. Right. But I don't know how right. you did it. Did you spit oh, anything yeah. off or nothing? I was determined. <laughs> I was how long, determined. How long was that down in you? Do you know? Um, it, it had to be some, you know, some hours because, um, hmm. it was like, you know, the, the, I remember it being the same day because it was like later, later in the like evening or nighttime, uh, when I woke wow. up and, uh, I, I hate them things, man. I, I do not like it. I know you well, don't really feel it, but I just don't like it. I don't like the idea of something happening to breathe for me. And right. whole, I remember pointing at it and going like right. this the whole time to right. take the dang thing out right. and, yeah, I, you know, I definitely don't like. I've it. heard some, I, I've heard some stories, but I have never heard nobody pull it out their own. Uh-uh. Okay. Oh yeah, that, that, that's weird. That's weirded me out. Not a bit that's to it. Kind of badass. That's <laughs> actually <laughs> badass, man. I mean, hey, you know, what? but that's but wild, to reverse man. it, to reverse it, I actually asked for one to get put in. Um, I I was having a, a, a issue. Um, I was in was that an emergency? I think I was admitted already. And I was having this this bad situation. I, I you know was feeling like crap. My, my, like everything was out of whack. Blood pressure was horrible. You know, like everything was bad. When, you know, and and I passed out. And the doctor, was, I mean, the the nurse happened to walk in, like right before I woke up. So they saw it because I was asleep with my my head at the foot of the bed. Now how I got like that, I don't know. Right. So I remember just kind of like sitting up and he, and, and the nurse was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I feel all right. And she was like, okay, because you passed out. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, wouldn't have known if, <laughs> I don't know, how, you know, I was supposed to know that one, but okay. And 
it was, you know, everything, like I said, started going out of whack. Stuff started beeping and doctors and stuff coming in. And I'm like, I, I had, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom, but I couldn't go to the bathroom. And I'm like, this is not good at all. And I could feel myself, you know, not being able to breathe. And I told, I told the doctor, I said, look, I said, put me to sleep and intubate me. I said, do it now. He wants to try to go around the bush and go through every other little thing. I'm like, look, I'm like, just do it. He's trying to give me, a, you know, mass to breathe in. I'm like, this ain't helping. It's making it worse. And I'm like, look, just do it. I said, because you're going to look up and be laying here dead, not breathing, as opposed to hardly breathing. And, you know, he was like, all right. He's like, is that what you want? I'm like, yes, I've been asking you to do this for the past 20 minutes. And so I remember the the doctor told the nurse to go get the, the medicine for them to put me to sleep. And he gave it to me, like, right before I went to the elevator. And at, going in the elevator, it, it was like a, a movie. As the elevator doors was closing, I was going out. It was just like, oh. and my obviously was darkness. I'm like, yep, it's a wrap now. Woke mm -hmm. up, had a breathing tube in. I'm like... Man, I said, if you waited probably another five, ten minutes longer, it would have been a wrap for me. Hmm. You know, I'm like, and I'm pretty sure he's never been in a situation where he was asked to, you know, to intubate somebody. And that I've had to do it again because the, the doctor um, wanted to give me a breathing treatment. But breathing treatments, when I'm, when I've, what I found out recently was when I'm, when I don't have like a wheeze or anything. A breathing treatment is actually bad for me. What hmm. the difference is, I don't know. But um, he tried to give me a breathing treatment. I tried to tell him, like, look, this is not going to work. It's going to make it worse. So as he gave it to me, you know, I'm like, look, I'm like, if you're going to give me this, you might as well go ahead and just intubate me and put me to sleep. Because all I was asking for was a regular uh, mask with oxygen. I'm like, give me that. I'm fine. I'll be good till you get the meds and stuff ready and everything. And I think he realized, like, I was sitting, I'm like, look, I'm like, just intubate me. And he looked and he was like, do you want to just try to <laughs> try to mask? I'm like, yes, I've been asking you for that for the longest. And y'all want to continue giving me this breathing treatment. So he was like, yeah, I'd rather just go with this. It's better than, than intubating you. We don't have to. So, you know, he gave me the, gave me the oxygen mask and, you know, everything was good from there. Yeah, I got some crazy stories. I think we all do. You know. Hey, what's what's what are, what are your hobbies, Shay? What do you like to do? TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> I do a lot of different TikTok stuff. I like to have fun on TikTok. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy. I I don't have the hobbies that I used to have. You know, I used to really enjoy riding a motorcycle and and uh fishing and things but you know since i got this tube in my gut i won't go on a boat in water because you know i don't want to take a chance of falling in and i don't ride a motorcycle anymore because i don't have the balance i used to have so anymore it's just you know i go to sporting events or i'll go to movies or i'll go to musicals or things like that you know that's stuff that i kind of you know i had to change the way that i live you know because of this so um yeah right. i would love to be able to get back and the jujitsu and things like that, but you know that's never going to happen again. So, <laughs> what, what kind of motorcycles did you ride? I had a 
a VTX 1300. So it's nice. I loved it, man. It was a baby blue color bike. Uh, kind of looked like a soft tail is the best way to explain it. Right. So yeah, but it was nice. Yeah. Sold it to a, uh, I to a buddy of mine. Uh, well, his wife bought it for him for a surprise. So. Okay. I, I think once you get your kidney back and everything, you'll get your strength in your legs and, and everything, because that's one thing I noticed when, when I got me and my transplant. I was so much stronger that, you know, you'll be able to go back to handling a bike and you know, go fishing yeah, and do the things that I think you enjoy so. to do. I'll probably do it differently and maybe get a three-wheeler or something like that just because, you know, might be better that way. I don't know. I got to find a girl, though. I need to find a chick to put on the back. So <laughs> y'all know y'all know anybody. I'm single and looking. Hey, for sure, man. I'll definitely hook you up with somebody, for sure. Not just <laughs> well, somebody, but... It'll happen in God's time, and I ain't worried about it. Right now, I got I got Henry. This is all I need. So, I got my little buddy. I saw Henry on our uh, dialysis roundtable. <laughs> oh, was I holding him, or...? Yeah, you were holding <laughs> No, okay. Yeah, he likes to show up sometimes. Right, I didn't know his name at the time, but I'm glad you told me his name is Henry now. That's Henry. He's old, man. He doesn't have any teeth, so his tongue's always stuck out of his mouth and stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> Henry probably said, hey, man, why are you telling all my business? I know. Right. He's still got his, he's still got his uh, units. So there you go. That's all he's that matters. Old, he's all, yeah, he's all boy. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> That's all it does, man. You got more and more than I got. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this Where do you uh, go from that? <laughs> man, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to touch on how how did the because and the reason why I touch it because it's important um, for other people out there that are also in the process of looking for that first or second, you know, transplant that can be donated uh as a living donor what was well how did the conversation go uh i know it's a little easier with the with the brother because that's family but how the conversation go with you and your best friend to to for him to give you uh a kidney that second song yeah you know it's it's nothing that i asked for at the time um he just came to me and said he wanted to to see if he could donate and help and you know we've been friends since we were 12, 13 years old, you know, he's a bodybuilder. Um, you know, I'm, I'm only five foot six, um, with the right shoes on, I know I'm only <laughs> five foot six, but you know, and he's like five ten. you know, he played semi pro football, you know, he's, you know, he's a big dude. Um, and we matched up and it was crazy. Um, that they said we were a perfect match. I never did ask what the antigen was or anything like that, but cause I didn't, I didn't care. I just knew we matched. So, um, but he called me and he couldn't believe it either. He's like, dude, we actually, they actually told me that I'm able to donate to you and that uh, they scheduled the surgery. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> I was, and then it ended up getting pushed yeah. off for a few months, but because of the blood pressure measured high at one time and they wanted it to go down. So, but uh, yeah, it was crazy. You didn't have to man. do any, any plasmacoresis in it. You didn't have to do you need plasma for reasons and nothing like that. No, my back then, my back then, my PRA was only in the 30s. Um, it's in it's 99 now uh, because of all the blood transfusions I had uh, from the ordeal, you know, with that transplant and everything I went through. 
So my PRA is sky high now. The hospital that I'm going through at Iowa City, I've talked to him about treatment for it. Um, he he does it um, if it has to be done, but because I'm an AB uh, blood type, uh, he said the weight isn't as bad, and he thinks that I that I I won't need it. Because, and the, the other thing he said was that sometimes when you do that plasma phoresis thing, the you can it it helps to get your antibodies down, but the kidney might not last as longer because eventually that could come back or something and, and do something to attack it. So, um, you know, that's not something that he recommended. I tried and I said, you know what, I want to give it the best shot to have a kidney last the longest. So I don't want to do it. So it was my choice not to, not to move forward with that, uh, treatment. Cause I don't want to take any chances of something that could, you know, falter back and cause damage to the kidney. I want to try to get the most out of it. I can, because, Man, hell, I'm 47 years old. I'd like to get a kidney last me 20 years. That last me the rest of my life, in my opinion. So, you know, I don't think I'll make it to 70. If I do, I'll be surprised. I'll be happy. I'll be old. <laughs> right. I'll probably have two knee replacements by then and a hip. But yeah. Hey, the key. The key is to get there. So. Yep. You no, know, we do what we can to get to that point. You know, I mean, we you know, sure we watch. You know, plenty of people in our family get to that point, and you know, we want to get there and not have to deal with uh, certain other struggles and things like that to hold us back. We'll be able to, you know, live our life. We may be old, but we can still move and and do things and be active. And you know, uh, my my grandfather, you know, my my stepmom's dad, when he, you know, even to the last days when he, you know, when he got hurt and, and had to go into hospice and things like that was out walking around the neighborhood. He'd go get his stick, you know, in the morning, go out, walk around, you know, the neighborhood a couple of times and come back and go, you know, go in this garden and, you know, do things and stuff like that. I'm like, man, that's, when I get old, that's, I want to be like that. Where I can go outside and, and be on my knees and, and be in the garden, not worry about it hurt when I get up and right, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, I, th I think that's everybody's goal is to get to that, you know, grow old and you know, be able to see grandkids or or nieces and nephews and you know things like that. Graduate, you know, high school, college, and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, Mr. Cook, yeah. you got any more questions? I have no more questions. It was great talking to you, Shane, for sure, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate you inviting me on and, and have me be a part of this and to help kind of get my name out there and my need out there for everyone to see and greatly appreciate everything you guys do. So thank you. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. You know, it's we figured out. I, I mean, it, it took me till now, honestly, because like I said before, I didn't really always know people that had, you know, organ failure or anything, but um, outside of being proactive, you know, for yourself, uh, it, it takes this transplant family for us to, you know, um, move forward. You know, when we get back into these positions, you know, we have to help each other out, you know, to, to get in the best position possible in our life, uh, whether it's finding another transplant, you know, for ourselves or, or anything like that. So. Uh, you know, definitely no problem. It was it was a pleasure having you on today. Um, so my, my last question for you guys, everybody, is what would you want the audience that are maybe watching now or watching uh, the replay of this in the future to take from your interview today? 
Um, just, you know, take that there are people out there, you know, with a need in a, in a way that you can help. Uh, if it's not me, you know, help somebody else uh, with with uh, the struggling from kidney failure. You know, there's a lot of us out there. Um, I've been, you know, looking for a kidney now for two and a half years. Um, I need it to have my, to have a life, to have a normal life, to not be tethered to a machine for 10 years. So if I could just say anything, you know, please consider donating to me. Uh, you can look it up on uh, Facebook. Shane needs a kidney donor and uh, you can find my information there. Awesome, man. Well, we definitely hope that that comes to you soon. Shane, you're a good guy and uh, we appreciate everything you're doing, Midwest Kidney Warriors and, you know, uh, helping other uh, transplant patients pre and post as well. So uh, thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, hope everybody's having a great Labor Day. You know, we, I think everybody, even people in school working, they're like, man, when when's the next holiday coming up so I can have off from work in school? Um, you know, fortunately, I, I got homework to do. So <laughs> I, that's what I'm going to be getting to in the next hour or so. But uh Definitely appreciate everybody watching today. Appreciate watching uh, the replay in the future. Uh, we'll definitely be, you know, talking to Shane again uh, in the future, see how he's doing and, and how things are coming along on his end. Um, please go check out uh, the Second Chance merch store on uh, Bonfire. That's where he got that great shirt from. I appreciate your support, Shane, 100%. Yeah, and people um, definitely go on there and look at that because it's – you know, when you go on and support a group like a second chance, I mean, it's money that that they need to, you know, they that, that it costs a little bit of money to create these videos, to create these commercials, to, you know, kind of boost things for people. And so, you know, definitely go on there. It's only shirts are cheap, man. They're only 25 bucks. And, you know, they get a little percentage of that that they can use to help other people. So it's not like money that's going in their pocket. This is definitely going in people like me's pocket and other kidney warriors out there. So definitely go on there and support these guys and support a second chance. So thanks for having me, too. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate you. So we'll be back next Sunday, uh, you know, normal time, 5 o'clock uh, Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Mr. Cook, again, I appreciate you being on, you know, every week, you know, I, Mr. Cook has been on vacation and he took so many trips. I, I don't even think I've been on that many trips in the past 10 years. So, you know, he, he's kind of surpassed me on the trip level, but, uh, glad you made it out there safe. <laughs> What'd you say? Thank you. A lot of our work, a lot of our work trips also. So. Hey man, a trip is a trip. You if you <laughs> Yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, glad, glad you got to see your son in Houston and stuff. He made out there safe and back home. Uh, appreciate you, you know, being on every week, you know, when you can. I know sometimes things get, you know, they just like, hey, you know, can't do it. I, I've been in that situation myself. So, um, but again, like I said, next Sunday we'll be back. Um, same place, same time. Uh, and, Everybody have a great day. Appreciate you guys right. being on.